use this one until the other one comes on. Hey, uh, how are you, you guys? How you guys doing? Y'all doing okay? We uh, uh, want to introduce you to Logan Creasy. Um, Logan uh, was with us for a long time, 24, and uh, is uh, old school, you know, uh, as old school as old school gets, really. Uh, and uh, there we go. And uh, we uh, kind of give you a little bit of backstory. Uh, he and Nathan went to college together, became friends. Um, I don't know what that says about you. Uh, became best became best friends. Let's just go all the way here with it. Uh, and then uh, and then uh, uh, Logan met a girl. Her name's Melody. Uh, and and back in the day, uh, I guess you guys met you, you guys met in college. I'm assuming, right? And then, but Melody lived in Clarksville, and I think she graduated ahead of Logan or something. He was still just by a couple of years. He, yeah, by a couple of years. He <laughs> married 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 a little older, uh, but. Uh, yeah, we're working on it, and uh, but uh, but I can't be because every time Logan would show up, Logan would so Logan would drive from Jackson where he was in college. He would drive from Jackson to Pleasant View every week, uh, and we met at uh, the Pleasant View Elementary School at that time, and then well that was the main place anyway. And so then uh, while we were meeting there. Uh, Melody would come down, of course, from Clarksville because it was much closer to see him and all this kind of stuff. And, and so here's Logan. He's coming in. Here's this girl. She's wandering around. And I'm like, every week I'm like looking at him like, dude, you need to lock that down. I'm like, come, what are you doing? You know? And he's like, I know, I know, I know, you know. But no. Uh, and so. I was poor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we all we were. All. <laughs> And uh, so, but uh, anyway, uh, they did lock it down, and, uh, and now they have this wonderful family. And uh, uh, Logan, why don't you tell us a little bit about your position at Shades? Uh, he's at a church in Birmingham, Alabama, Shades Mountain, which is where all the blue shirt folks are at, right? Go Shades. Go, go, go Alabama. There you go. Same. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, brethren. <laughs> Yeah, so I actually, uh, the third week of 24's existence, yeah. uh, the first week you had Ben lead worship. Yeah. Wish I could have been there for that. That's true. And then, That's on video somewhere. And then, we'll get that, uh, get that on the second, web. Second week, uh, Nathan was there. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, we were best friends. And so he's like, dude, you got to come check out this church. Nathan and, wasn't even sure he wanted to be there. Oh, no. It was, <laughs> yeah. It was basically, come suffer with me, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, and then, so he came on the third, I came on the third week and then I was, I was a part of it until 2011 when, uh, the, the staff here decided to plant another church. Some of you might remember that. And so we, they sent us out and, um, I was ordained right here on this stage in March, uh, March 7th, 2011. Wow. And, um, I couldn't even tell you the year. I was <laughs> well, um, <laughs> that's awesome. And so we, um, you know, the Lord has done a, a huge work in our lives. We were with that church plant for three years, and then uh, the Lord called us to Shades Mountain Baptist Church there in Birmingham, Alabama. And I mean, you're my people, right? Like I, this is, this is the kind of church I, I, I grew up. I was 23 when I got married and started, well, in 2005, I would have been younger than that. Um, I mean, I was a, I was a kid, and um, I went to church. I was, I've been a part, if you include that the church plant sister church. I've been a part of the 24 family for, it was about 
eight years, eight or nine years. And so, um, you know, I grew up here and the Lord did an amazing work in my life. And uh, in 2013, he called us to, to Birmingham. And, um, you know, this is the church that I'm normally looked at. I was telling one of my staff people earlier. So Shades is a, it's a very big, as you can tell, this is just our high school and some of our middle school worship choir. It's not even our whole student youth group. It's just those that want to do worship choir. And uh, we run about 2,500 on a Sunday morning. So it's massive, right? And this is what I'm used to. <laughs> and I told, I told one of my guys this morning that uh, one of my first weeks there, a pastor came up to me, or not a pastor, sorry, a, uh, an elderly gentleman came up to me and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, you know where I come from, pastors don't dress like that. And I said, well, where I come from, they do. <laughs> so uh, it was a little bit of a culture shock, but it's been really good. Um, we serve... Uh, I serve as the associate worship pastor there, uh, which basically means that I do all of the uh, worship stuff for all of our students. I'm responsible for junior high, high school, and college. I also just assist our, our worship pastor every Sunday morning with whatever he needs and um, throughout the week. And then, you know, one of the, the other things that my wife and I do, and Melody is really the one that leads it, uh, I'm just the staff guy that gets everything on the calendar, uh, we, uh, we lead our, our orphan care ministry, and there was some things going on with foster care and adoption at, at Shades before we got there, but it wasn't streamlined. It was very kind of everywhere, and uh, there wasn't anything kind of really uh, streamlined and, and organized about it. And so when we got there, we started that, and uh, it's, it's really taken off. So we're, that's, that's a, another really big blessing of what I get to do at Shades. So <clears throat> this week we asked, and Logan, if you've never heard Logan preach, he's an, ama- he's an amazing, uh, amazing speaker, amazing preacher. Uh, yeah, and uh, fan club. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Terry and LeRae. They're the founding <laughs> members started today. Uh, but uh, no, uh, the, uh, uh, Log- I asked, we asked Logan if he wanted to preach this morning, and he, he, at first he said yes, and then he was like, no, it's just too much going on. Uh, and then we asked him, we said, well, uh, would you be willing to share about adoption? And then it was like, yes. Oh, I can do that in my sleep. <laughs> so. And so uh, he, do, he does do a, a, a bit of speaking just on that, different places and that kind of thing. Uh, and adoption, you know, pertains to the gospel. And, uh, and, and we're, that's what we're about here at 24, and you guys know that. And you guys know that we're about adoption. We've got several families here that have adopted. We, we, have, a, we have a fund uh, here called Craving Grayson uh, that uh, you can give to at any point that puts money in an account that is for families that are going to adopt. Uh, why don't you tell us, do you not know that? You act like you don't know that. You, don't, you didn't know that? I thought you would have gotten rid of it by now, but that's pretty awesome. We don't get rid of good stuff. Okay. Well, it's just the bad, just the the bad, bad stuff. stuff. And so uh, <laughs> a few of you got that. Uh, but uh, no, and so, uh, but no, seriously, I uh, want to uh, ask you if you would tell, tell us a little bit about yeah. you and Mel and, and your adoption story. Yeah, so my wife and I just celebrated our 11th year anniversary, wedding anniversary, and several years, uh, just a couple years into our marriage, we, we decided to, uh, we had the grand idea of having children. And, uh, and so we started to try to have a family, and all the parents are like, oh, I know what he's talking about. Everyone else just thinks I'm really mean right now. Um, but all we, the teenagers especially. Exactly. So we, had, uh, we, we, we tried to grow our family, like everyone does, and um, realized very quickly there were some medical concerns that 
was keeping us from being able to have children. Now, when we first started dating, we both had talked about how we wanted to adopt. We just thought, like most people, that, oh, we'll have our own family, and then we'll adopt. And um, the Lord was getting ready to teach us a huge, huge lesson. And he, he shut the door on us being able to have biological children. And so we started the adoption process in, um, I want to say, the end of 2008. And after about two years of a crap ton of paperwork, um, a lot of paperwork, a lot of prayer, a lot of fundraising, which is the, uh, so my wife, my wife started craving Grayson and she, she's very handy and artsy. And so she would make stuff and she'd go down to the flea market downtown and sell stuff. And that was kind of the, the organized name that we raised, raised money, (laughs) raised money at, uh, or for, uh, to, to raise money for our adoption. Adoption is extremely expensive, as some of you know. And so those first two years was nothing but just raising money and, and filling out paperwork. And then in 2010, and it was December 7th, 2010, and um, I got a phone call. I was sitting at my desk. I worked at Lifeway downtown, the building they just tore down and exploded. Um, so I worked there at the time, and I'm sitting at my desk, and I get a phone call. And, you know, adoption is all about waiting. It's just waiting. And so you're sitting there, and, but I get a phone call, and it says, Mr. Creasy, this is so-and-so, and I'm from so-and-so agency in Tampa, Florida, and I just want you to know that you have been picked, and you've been chosen. You've been matched with a birth mother. And so I'm trying to hold it together, obviously, and I start crying like a little girl, and uh, I'm like, That's the first thank, time that's ever you. happened. Though. First time, and never since. Um, <laughs> So, so normally that phone call comes in like the second trimester. Uh, you usually have a few months to kind of prepare and get ready. And I said, okay, great. When is the baby due? And she goes, well, what are you doing next Thursday? <laughs> I guess I'm driving to Tampa. So the very one, one, exactly one week later, the following Wednesday, we packed our, our Jeep with uh, a suitcase and had half full of girls' clothes, half full of boys' clothes because we didn't even know what... Uh, what it was going to be, and um, we, we headed out from Nashville on a very long drive down to Tampa, Florida, and we arrived on that Thursday afternoon, and about an hour outside of Tampa, we get a phone call, and that, um, that phone call came, and it said, hey, you've, you've got a beautiful little girl. You have a daughter, and um, I didn't cry like a girl then, maybe, but so, so back to the Craven Grayson thing, we, we wanted to name our child Grayson, and I wanted a white... Which works for a boy or a girl, so... Right. Well, well no, we wanted a boy. Like, we wanted white, blonde hair, blue-eyed, American baby boy, right? Because we're not holy, <laughs> and, and we didn't know what we were thinking. We didn't, you know, we didn't really know, but... Um, we, we didn't put any stipulations on the adoption. We said we would take any child that the Lord gave us. And, and so we get a phone call. And the first phone call is, no boy, you have a girl. And then we, uh, we walk into the hospital. And now we, we knew this going into it, but she's, she's not white. She's African-American. And so it's the exact opposite of what my hard heart wanted, right? It's the exact opposite. And I, I, I cry every day now because... Girls are awesome, and having daughters are, is a beautiful thing. And so that following Thursday, we walked into the, the nursery of the, um, of the hospital there. She was a, like an hour old, and they put her in my wife's arms, and 
like a three-year journey had finally kind of come to an end, and we had our, our child. And then four months later, she was pregnant. Your wife, Melody. Yes. Right. <laughs> Clearing that out there. My wife became pregnant. So now we have a biological child, something that was never supposed to be able to happen. Never. Like doctors gave us very bad odds for ever being able to biologically have children. And now she was pregnant. And I truly believe the Bible tells us in the Psalms that the children are a blessing. And um, we were obedient to the call to adopt. God knew in the hardness of my heart that I would have never followed through with that calling had he given me a biological child to begin with. And so we were obedient with that, and he gave us Sammy, and um, that's it. And so now we have, just real quick, I'll, I'll add on to this. So then uh, coming to Birmingham three years ago, we began fostering. And so now that third child uh, spot is like a rotating door. It just, they come in and out and in and out. So we say we have three kids at all times, and sometimes they change, though. That third one changes. Um, but we, right now we have a little foster son that we've had for a year that we hope to adopt here very soon. So how many, how many kids have y'all fought? Yeah, go ahead. How many, how many kids have you guys fostered so far? Yeah. So he's our sixth. Wow. Yeah. Which that's not really that, you know, you talk to some people and they're like 40, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're way up there in numbers, you know, six, I feel like I'm still a rookie, but uh, our very first placement was extremely difficult, like extremely difficult. It sent us into a, like, um, what are you doing, God? Like, we, we heard you loud and clear. We knew this was the calling that you want for us. We know you want us to do this. Why is this all happening? I mean, it was very, very hard not to go into a lot of details, but that lasted six months, and it actually had to be terminated. Like, we had to, um, he had to be taken to another home. Now, he needed he needed a better home, like without children. He needed a therapeutic home is what they call it. And so uh, that was a blessing. It was, better. it was good for him. It was good for us. And, but then we had four others that um, came in over the next year or so. And, um, and then we got Hayden, and Hayden was with us. He was only supposed to be there a weekend. We picked him up from the hospital. And on Monday morning, we said, uh, okay, I guess we need to call DHR and see where he's going next. You know, we were just supposed to be a, an emergency placement. And I'm sitting in my, the chair that I pray in every morning, and I'm holding him, I'm feeding him in his bottle. And I'm like, all right, God, do you want us to, are we this child's family, or, or is he going somewhere else? And just as clear as day, and I don't, I don't hear the Lord speak audibly, but just as clear as day, I heard him say, I've told you, Logan, what I want from you. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And I don't know anything in life right now that's more justice and mercy than foster care. And so I was like, all right. So I told Melody, I said, we're keeping him. And hopefully in the next three or four months, he'll be ours permanently. So. Yeah. Are you allowed to say crap ton at Shades on stage? No, that's why I did it here. Okay. <laughs> I'm not allowed to dress like this at Shades. That's okay. It's all right. That's why you I got, do it here. You, you're, that, that church is reaching people, though. Oh, like know? crazy, yeah. And, and, it, and, it, and it's just proof, because people say all the time, oh, I love 24, you know, it's all, you know, where, what I want. But, you know, it, God uses different types of churches to reach different types of people, and I, I, I praise God for that. I praise, I praise God it's not all the same. 
Shades is an amazing church. We, uh, that we have a saying that if you cut us, we bleed missions, and we send out over 1,000 people a year on local and international mission trips. Uh, we have spent over the past 15 years, if you look at what our pastor Danny Wood has done, um, he is, we have spent around, it's a lot of money, but we have spent um, around $20 million on our facilities uh, on the campus, but we've spent over $30 million um, on missions. So more awesome. money has left our campus than has been awesome. what, spent on our campus. So, That's awesome. Yeah. If you guys ever need a mission church, we're trying to do a little addition on the end down here. <laughs> yeah, we don't need that much, you know. Uh, no, uh, t- I, I got a question. Here's a random question. It's not random because uh, we're talking about it. Uh, and this is probably a question that you get a lot, and it's off script here. Uh, how hard is it, like fostering? Has, how hard has it been fostering some of these children and then having to let some of them go? I know that first one was really hard. I heard, heard kind of where that was going. I'm sure that was very mixed emotions. But just in general, what, what's that been like for you guys? Yeah, are, are you talking about the actual, like, the, the separation part mm-hmm. at the yeah, end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a question we get a lot. Um, I think there's, there's two things with that, and I'll try to make this really quick. Number one, you go into foster care knowing that the purpose of foster care is reunification, okay? The purpose of foster care is reunification with the family. And so you go into it knowing that there's, that is coming, right? That's what you're praying for. You don't go into foster care unless that's what you're, you're really wanting. Now, I will say this. Like, there's some situations where you're saying, no, I, I can't really pray for them to go back to that parent. So you're also praying that the parent gets their life together. We're not saying that we want the child to go back without anything changing. Um, that's why we do discipleship work with the birth parents as well. But that is the point. Um, secondly, and this is the thing, and, 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 you know, our family members, like our parents, Melody's parents, they ask us this all the time. How, isn't that hard? Like, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't imagine doing it. And, and I tell them this, like what's, what um, science has told us now, what medical science has told us now, what we know about our brains is that development in everyone, like everyone sitting in this room, the reason that you have a healthy mental psychological life today is because you were attached to somebody from the moment you were in this world, right? That's why they put the baby on the mother's chest. There is this attachment that has to happen immediately. And without attachment, they never build that foundation. And so then the, the, the foundations after that, the levels after that never get built because the foundation is, is, is leaky, it's cracked, Right? So there's, there's developmental issues and all of these things. And the only way, we know this now, the only way to repair those problems is through attachment, right? One of the things that we've done in our country is that we actually, we don't allow our kids to touch each other anymore. We're like children in Africa hold hands as they walk to school, but we don't allow anyone to touch. It's actually hurting our children in our schools. We've seen that because we need to be able to have good, healthy touch because it builds attachment, which helps us mentally to develop correctly. And so that's why you hear these crazy stories about children in foster care. It's because they didn't have attachment. Their, their foundation is broken. And so what foster care gets to do is I get to be that attachment. I get to help them start repairing that foundation so that they can begin to become healthy children and healthy 
teenagers and healthy adults later on in life. Attaching to me for six months is going to help that little girl attach to her husband in a healthy way and the end of her life. And so what I tell people when they say, I just don't think I can do that. And I say, well, yeah, it is hard. But the Christian walk is about dying to yourself. And I would rather experience pain to help them have a healthy life one day than for them to experience pain and me to experience comfort. You're getting a lot of claps, man. I, I never get any. So I might get a laugh every once in a while. No claps. Uh, I will say this real quick. jealous right now. Don't be. You're, you're a pastor. Um, I will say this. One of the best. One of the best stories ever. And I didn't even get to meet this girl. We had a. We had a, a 17 year old girl come into our home. It was the fastest placement we ever had. She was there about 30 minutes. As soon as the uh, social worker left, she grabbed her bag. She looks at my wife in the eye and she goes, "You're very sweet." but I can't stay here. She runs out, a car races up to our driveway. She jumps in and drives off. So then we have to file like a missing kid report and like the police and they're like, yes, yeah, she does this. And so that's our, that's our quickest like, placement. No heads up on that. They no, just threw no, her at the house. Just, yeah. She leaves and then she's gone. And it's like, what are we supposed to do right now? You know, like, wow. So yeah, that, that was our quickest placement and our longest has been the one that we have right now. So. Nice, nice. Um, t- talk to us about how, um, why, why do it? Well, like you said, it's the gospel. It is a beautiful, beautiful illustration of the gospel. And so, what if, what do I mean by that? We believe that the gospel is the good news that God, even though we were sinners, He created the world. He well, He created the world good. And then in our sin, we rejected him and we were strayed from him. And yet in his grace and his love and mercy, he sent his son to live a perfect life on our behalf, to die a death uh, that we should have died because of our failure, because of our sin. And because of what Christ has done, we are now received back into the family of God. And we have a heavenly father um, and he's making all things new and we get to live with him forever. And um, so if that's the gospel, I, I don't know of too many other beautiful illustrations of the gospel than adoption. Um, Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 8. He says that, uh, for you have not been given a spirit of fear to fall back, or a, a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have been given a spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We get to call the God of the universe, Daddy, Father, right? That's not some... Dad, and I know a lot of us here today might not have not have a healthy relationship with our fathers, but daddy is a good, endearing term that we get to use for an earthly dad. And that is what Paul encourages us to call God. That's crazy to think, right? And he does that because he's saying you have been given a spirit of adoption. Paul himself likens adoption to the gospel. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful picture of what God has done for us on our behalf. You said something earlier about uh, what you guys wanted when you first adopted. Uh, the, the whole boy, blonde hair, all that stuff. Um, and, and then God brought you something completely different. And, I, and just in that moment, while you, were, while you were talking about what you wanted, I, thought, I just thought myself, and I'm sure you've thought about it before too, I just thought myself about how I wonder, you know, if God hasn't looked at us in the same 
eyes. Of course, he looks at it through holy eyes where we, we should be a disappointment but he still, because of our sin, but he still loves us and he still cares for us. Um, you know. and, and not only that, like he, the Bible tells us, so like when Jesus was baptized in Mark chapter one, this, the dove comes down and it's the voice of heaven says what? This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased, right? Because of the gospel, what is true about Jesus now becomes true about us, right? Like when we call God daddy, he says, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. That's, that's mind-blowing because we don't deserve that, right? I've done nothing to earn that love. I've done nothing to earn that status in the home. And I think one of the reasons that um, I think it's a, it's a beautiful picture of adoption, but I don't, I, I don't think our culture uh, really understands adoption. I don't I don't think they really get that. And the reason that I think they, they don't get it is because the questions that we get a lot, right? So, like, we get questions such as, uh, how much did she cost? Like, she's a candy bar. You know, she's not, she's not a pack of Skittles, right? Uh, did you meet her real mother? I have a very intimate relationship with her real mother, yes. Uh, and um, um, is she, like, is she, is she your kid? Is she your kid? I'm like, well, absolutely, she's my, she's my kid. And we, we, we see adoption as more or less like I did, right? Like I did. Um, I'll have my own kids, and then I'll adopt kids. Like they're second rate. Like they're second class citizens. Like it's some elongated uh, foreign exchange program that, well, yeah, they're living with us, and yeah, they get to experience the benefits of the household, but they don't share the name. They don't, they're not really full-fledged members of the family. And that's how I know people don't truly understand adoption is because they don't see that. If they did see it, if they did understand it, they would understand that that's not true at all. And that's why I say it is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Absolutely, yeah. We see, you, you really hit something right there about like the full-fledged member of the family thing. You see, you see in Scripture kind of over and over this uh, idea, and of course this is a different time period uh, when people had slaves and there was a master and all this kind of stuff, but you see... Over and over, a lot of times adoption talked about, uh, an adoption of us into the family of God, talked about in the same uh, thought process of the family where he might be a master, like the father of that family might be a master of slaves and have slaves, but that these slaves that in Christ, the chains are broken, we're set free and, and we're no longer slaves in, the, in that family unit. We don't live in some house that's outside of the house or out in the, under the tree or whatever. We're brought into the house and we're made part of the family. Uh, in, in fact, I read this passage to you, Galatians 4, uh, verse 1. It says, I mean that their uh, heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, thank God for this, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. 
And because you are sons, God has now, God has sent the spirit of the son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Isn't that amazing? You can clap for that. Go ahead. That's good. One of the things, um, one of the things, if you, if you do any study in or, or any history about uh, the Emancipation Proclamation where uh, President Lincoln set all of the slaves free in the country, one of the things, and I don't know who the author is, but they talked about how um, it was easier to get the person out of slavery than to get the slavery out of the person. What they meant by that was even though the man was free, he still did not understand how to act in a free society. Now, there were other implications, and I get that, but they, they talk about this uh, dynamic, and I think that, too, in itself is also a perfect picture. We were once slaves to the, uh, to the, to the spirit of disobedience in this world, and it is very hard. Uh, God has taken us out of slavery to sin and then the rest of our life now is getting the slavery out of us, getting the, the slavery to sin and to deception and all of these things out of us. And I think that's one of the things that I believe if we could understand adoption, if we could see, if we could take the, like the if we could equal this earthly picture of what my adoption with my daughter is, it would help us and we truly understand it it would help us understand the depth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and who we really are in God. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what would you tell somebody um, that's there? Okay, there's, there's, there's all kinds of folks sitting out here right now or listening on a podcast or whatever, uh, listening to this, and they're asking themselves this question right now. Is that something we're supposed to do? How, how do you know if it's something you're supposed to do? Um, what, what, what's the call of that look like on your life? Uh, because, it, I mean, I really do think that that's a calling uh, for families to adopt, to foster, and those types of things. Let me, um, let me start with this. Let me say that, um, let me start with the how question, or like, how do you know if you're called? Um, Actually, I'm going to start with this. Uh, everyone in this room is called to care for the orphan. Period. James says that pure and undefiled religion is to care for the fatherless. Right? We see all throughout Scripture that God is a God of justice who pleads the case of the fatherless and the widow, those who cannot care for themselves. They have no advocate in this world. That is the person that God exalts. That is the person that God fights for. And he expects his people to fight for them as well. You are not off the hook. Mm -hmm. You must care for the orphan if you call yourself a Christ follower. Now, that looks different to certain people. Uh, one of the things that Melody and I started at Shades is we started a rap program where people who didn't feel the calling, or maybe they're past the age where they feel like they could take a small child, um, there are still things that they can do, giftings that they have that can bless the families who are in that. And that is the way they serve the, the fatherless, right? And so everyone is called to that in some way. Now, how do you know if you're called to bring them in your home and actually to be a foster parent or an adoptive parent? 
Let me just tell you this. Um, see what happens in your heart as I explain this. Um, before Grayson ever took her first breath, I loved her. Before Grayson ever took her first breath, I traveled a great distance to get her. Before she ever did anything to be lovable, I prepared a place in my home for her. Her name was on the door, and when I die, she gets everything I have. That's not much because I'm a pastor. This is not a second-rate citizen. This is not a second-rate family member. She shares my name. She looks nothing like me, but she has my name. There is absolutely not a shred of difference between Grayson, my affection for Grayson, and my affection for Samantha. Not a shred. Before, I, before she ever did anything to be lovable, I loved her. That is the love of God for us. And I think that if we understand adoption correctly, it will open our heart and it will grow our love for Jesus in that we will understand that we got to get the slavery out of us. We've got to get a true understanding of what sonship looks like. Because if Grayson doesn't understand her adoption, she'll live the rest of her life in fear, right? She'll live the rest of her life in fear thinking, I can't, I've either got to earn his love or I have to, uh, or I can't trust him. He doesn't love me. She's going to question it and I can't trust him. So I'm going to go the other way. We do the same thing with God. If we don't truly understand the love of our heavenly father, we either reject it and we say, well, I can't trust him. I'm going to go my own way. Or we spend every waking moment trying to earn his love through good works. Both ways are a way in which we actually reject the Father. But when we understand the pure love of a Heavenly Father that is not contingent upon our actions, it's not contingent upon how much I love Him, it's not contingent upon what I do to keep the family name pure, it's only dependent upon the love of God before time ever began to say, I'm going to make you a son and daughter. I'm going to give you my name. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to bring you to myself and the gates of hell cannot separate us. When we understand that, we will understand adoption. And when we understand adoption, we will understand that. So if your heart right now is burning within you because you want that picture of the gospel in your family, then you're called to adoption. Because that's what we couldn't get over. We couldn't get over the fact that we have a Heavenly Father. And I didn't understand this love going into it. I understand it on the back end. So listen to me as someone who wishes he understood it on the front end. There is no greater thing than waking up every morning, looking my daughter in the eye and saying, I have a Heavenly Father who loves me. Because if he loves me any the way I love you, girl, then I am made. I've got it made because that girl will never go hungry. She will never go without any food. She will never go without any clothes. She will always have a place to rest her head and she will be safe with me forever as long as I get to be her father. You understand what I'm saying? This is your heavenly father. So is your heart burning within you right now? 
Is that what you want your family to be a picture of? Or do you want to chase a life of safety, of comfort? You want to save your bank account? You want to go on your nice, uh, nice vacations and all of these things? Take your adopted children, because we still do those things. It's not the end of your life. It's not the end of your family. Yes, it's extremely hard, but there is grace in the valley, and God has been faithful to us, and he will be faithful to you. Do you want to live for comfort, or do you want to die to yourself so that some other child might actually have a healthy life one day? Come on. Is that all you got? I got eight minutes. <laughs> so how do you know? I, I think that's it. I, I think that's it. If I, I would say, I would say, put your yes on the table. And then make God shut the door. That's what I would do. Put your yes on the table and then start walking and make God shut that door. No, this is not what I have for you. And then say, okay, how else can we support those families? I'm going to find a foster family. I'm going to pray for them every day. I'm going I'm to offer to babysit for them once a month. I'm going to do all of these things, right? Um, there are ways around it. There are ways... Uh, to support, but put your yes on the table and make God close the door. I dare you. I know for uh, for my family, we, we've uh, we've attempted adoption twice, uh, and uh, and then we get pregnant. Um, and uh, no, well, and the, and the and actually the first time this is kind of funny. The first time was uh, uh, we didn't have any children, and we hadn't had children, and we'd been trying to have children for a while. And, uh, and this was years ago, beginning of 24. And uh, uh, so we, we started the process for an adoption. We got through the home study, and, um, which is like 1000 bucks. So, you know, uh, got through the home study twice, actually. Uh, 1000 bucks both times. Uh, but uh, <laughs> then uh, we, uh, I was away uh, with uh, some guys from here and another local church helping some people after Hurricane Katrina. And we were down in Mississippi. And uh, just doing some work down there, trying to help people clean up and staying on the floor of this church and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and I get this phone call, and there's hardly any service out there, but I, I got a phone call while I was driving back uh, to the church from working all day at this person's house. And, uh, and it was Erin. And she's like, hey, are you, you know, are you where you can talk? And I said, yeah, I just pulled over because I'll probably lose you if I don't just stop where I'm at right now. And I was pulled over by this baseball field, I remember, and uh, out in the middle of nowhere, and, I, and she said, I need, I need to tell you something. And I was like, okay. She's like, we're having a baby. And I said, I know. And she said, no, we, I am having a baby. I'm pregnant. And I was like, you're kidding me. She's like, no. And I was like, and so, so the, the, then the biggest dilemma of the moment was the next morning, she was having an adoption yard sale that all the people from the church had like donated stuff to. And she's like, what am I supposed to do with all this? You know? And I was like, well, we still got to pay for that home study. I guess I have a yard sale. So, <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and Aaron is, Aaron is adopted for those of you who didn't know. And so, uh, that it's always been heavy on my heart, our heart. But the reason I bring that up, that it's always been heavy on our heart, um, is, uh, first of all, I mean, such as even the reason why we started 24 Church 
was that we had an understanding that there was people that needed to hear the gospel that might not hear the gospel if they don't hear it through uh, something that's a little different. Uh, Style-wise, whatever you want to call it, whatever, to me, it was just youth ministry for adults uh, 13 years ago. Uh, But, um, you know, adoption is like that, only like magnified times a million. Because... Uh, you know, we have opportunities as believers here to adopt and bring children into our lives that they might hear the gospel. That they might not just hear the gospel, that they might see the gospel. That, that, they might, that their lives might be completely changed by the gospel. Um, you know, and, and I mean, <laughs> that's quite a step up from bringing your neighbor to church with you, you know. Uh, uh, but man, the importance of that, I think, is so huge. Uh, and if you believe in a sovereign God and, and you believe in um, this, the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is moving and he's active, you, you, you take very seriously the fact that, yeah, this, this child is a week old, right? We had a, a kid named Gracion, uh, or Jason, sorry, Jason, and um, he was a week old, and we had him for just a few weeks. But so, so, yeah, he's not hearing the gospel, right? But the fact that he had two parents for three weeks at least who held him every night and literally spoke the name of Jesus over him. We preached the gospel to the boy, even though he couldn't understand anything. And we showed him what a loving father and a loving mother looks like. Um, We put our hands on him and we prayed for him. We prayed for his salvation one day. That may not ever happen. And if the Lord is faithful to answer those prayers, it, it might not have ever happened in the, in the sense that who else was going to pray for him? Yeah. Like who else is advocating for these children? Uh, not only physically, for their physical needs, but their spiritual needs as well. Yeah. That's good. Um, and, and I hope that you're hearing in this, you know, the adoption which God has done for us. And, and, and just like we were talking about in that passage, talks about, you know, that once slaves, now part of the family, like, there, there's nothing that can separate us from God if, if, if we trust in Christ. Uh, and, and that goes for anybody. I, I've had, let me just tell you, this is the kind of work that God's doing at 24 right now. Uh, two weeks ago, I had two grown men, two grown men, one after each service, okay? Two grown men come talk to me about that neither one had been to church since they were children, and, and both were looking at me and saying, I'm trying to figure out right now if I believe in this. One of them standing in front of me, I'm talking about like gruff, like manly man kind of guy, like grown man. Men, you understand what I'm saying when I'm saying this. Like we as men, we're prideful. We think we have life figured out. We don't. He's standing in front of me and he's shaking. And he's saying to me, did you guys set this up? And I, I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, I need to know, did you guys set this up? I said, set what up? Like, did you and he talk before I came today? Because he came with a friend of his who invited him that morning when he called him. And I knew that he had invited him that morning because he wanted to, like, go hang out with his buddy. And his buddy's like, well, I'm going to church. He's like, well, I haven't been to church since I was six. He's like, you should go. And he's like, did you just hear what I said, you know? And, uh, and so anyway, I'm like, dude, uh, no. I was like, I, you know. He's like, you weren't talking to me the whole time this morning? And I was like, no. I was like, that's the Lord. And he, and he visibly, like, 
eyes looking like he's just about to cry all over the place. There's a few others out there. And uh, <laughs> tears in heaven, man. And uh, <laughs> let's see, inside. Uh, but no, and so he's like visibly looking like he's about to cry. And he's shaking. And he says to me, he says, I am shaking right now. I am so nervous. And I said, I know. It's okay. It's okay. He said, I don't know what I believe. I said, that's okay. And he said, Chris, I'm trying to figure out if this is the universe or Mother Nature or there's a God. And I said, well, you already know which one I think it is. And he said, I know, and that's what scares me. And I said, let me tell you what. I said, I want you to know that this is a safe place for you to work out figuring out what it is that's really going on in your life right now. And I'm here to tell you that God sent His Son Jesus to die for you as much as He sent Him to die for me. And there is nothing so bad that we could have ever done in this life that could keep Him from loving us or keep the blood of Jesus from being enough to save us from our sin. We can all be forgiven only through Christ. So, I say that to say this. If you're sitting here today, you're listening today, and, and that's you, and you're trying to figure out, I don't know, I don't know what, I, you know, I'm just telling you, at some point, there takes what's called faith, a step of faith, a step into the unknown that you might trust and believe in, in something that seems crazy, and just, I, I just encourage you, I challenge you, believe, just believe. And, and we'll be here afterwards, be here in a few minutes just to talk with you. If you want to talk, pray about any of that, we would love to do that. Logan, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us today. We really, really, really appreciate it. And thank you. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, the, they, they didn't just come to worship with us and lead us in worship today, the folks from Shades. They actually served us as a church last night. They served all of the people who serve Everybody else, all of the time, they are how we have done now, two years in a row, our volunteer appreciation, uh, dinner and award banquet, uh, and, and it's just awesome. I just am humbled uh, that you guys would come and do that for us. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for leading us in worship this morning, and, and they'll be back doing that again here in just a minute. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to our time of communion uh, and, uh, and, and I'm just praying, I'm just asking, you know, if God's working in your heart this morning, don't, don't ignore that, uh, act on that, talk to somebody today, okay, let's pray together. God, I just thank you for your love and your care for us as your children, Lord, thank you, Lord, so much for all that you do for us, thank you for forgiveness, Lord, we don't deserve it, thank you for your grace, your mercy, Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for allowing him to take the death that we deserve. Thank you for his blood shed on a cross. Thank you for an empty tomb. Thank you for defeating death on our behalf. God, we love you. Be glorified in us. Work in the hearts of those that are trying to figure out if they believe and trust in you or not. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.